Hello, and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 54. On this episode, I have Brad Chris from Shop the Farm Supply. On this episode, Brad and I are going to talk about Hurricane Harvey six months later and what planting season looks like going into the first quarter of 2018. We're also going to hit on some struggles Brad sees heading into the rest of the year. Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, Casey. I appreciate that. So, um, anybody that wants to go back and listen to Brad and I's first conversation, uh, that would be Moving Iron Podcast number 18. And that episode was, I think, a couple weeks right after the fact, Brad, maybe? Four weeks after the fact? Yeah, yeah. Three or four weeks at the most, but I think, yeah, a couple weeks. Yeah, so Hurricane Harvey just comes through there and got about all but one or two of the stores and shut them down for business for a while and then, you know, had to go back and rebuild some stuff and get that, get that thing back to rolling again. So, Brad, here we are six months later. How are things looking and, and what's happening now? You know, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing um, how quick things have gotten. You know, the, the resiliency of people down here on the Texas Gulf Coast and how quick things have kind of gotten back to normal. Um, as normal as it gets, I guess you'd say. Uh, you know, there's still buildings with damages, uh, still homes being repaired. But, you know, day-to-day operations of, of just the communities are pretty well back, um, which is which is which is a good thing. Uh, as far as our stores, um, we're still uh, our Liberty store, like we talked about, Casey. We had uh, I think total ended up being about eight feet of water in the store, and uh, we're still in the remodel process there, but getting close. I mean, really close to completion there. And uh, all our other stores, Beaumont, Victoria. Uh, they're they're back rolling, so uh, just you know, uh, full speed ahead of those stores. So how's that affected? Um, if you guys are being as far south as you are, Texas, and, and for those of you who don't yeah. know, basically Brad's right along the Gulf Coast, um, maybe just slightly east of, of Houston a little bit, but pretty much along the Gulf Coast there. So planting season is pretty much under underway for where you're at. So how's Hurricane Harvey's after effects affected planting season, and along with the cold weather that we've seen? How is that? How is that affecting yeah, things, and what's that look like? Well, I tell you, as far as Harvey and affecting our growers, um, really, what happened was our corn and our grain were all out. There was a little bit of rice left, but really, what was affected most was our cotton. And um, you know, as we talked, there, there was still a lot of things up in the air the first time. And what happened is, through the years, um, lobbyists have pushed to have cotton viewed as a, uh, a food-grade crop. Uh, um, you know, even though it's, it, you know, uh, the cotton seed is fed to cattle, of course, there's some cotton used in ketchup and some different things like that. But as far as the commodity, they really pushed it to be looked at as a food-grade crop. Well, that was a great thing when it came to commodity prices. But what has happened is, as this cotton, whether it had river water on it in the field, or on the gin yard, or after it was uh, picked and rolled in a bale, uh, and water got on it. If if flood water got on the cotton, there was a chance that there was E. coli contamination on it. And so that has been the biggest challenge for us on the ag side is, and and I I don't know that we've still come to a conclusion, but if the the grower called the cotton in to the gin and was waiting on a bottle truck or a flatbed to pick it up. And it got water on it. Whose responsibility? Whose insurance is going to cover that? Is it uh, the growers' insurance? Is it the gin's insurance? Is it the buyer's insurance? 
there's just there's been a lot of questions on who 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 yet you know whose cotton is that? Now the cotton that was still on the plant and in the field and the rivers got out on it. Well, that's pretty easy, you know. That's that's the growth. But uh, uh, you know, we had gin yard flood, we had staging yard flood, and quite honestly, Casey, a lot of that cotton has had to be destroyed. Um, and uh, there's still a lot of question marks there. There's still a lot of uh, insurance that's got to be collected. Um, a lot of our custom pickers, you know, where you guys up in your country get the custom combines come through, we get a lot of custom pickers that come through. And uh, a lot of those guys, the guys that they pick for, uh, their cotton hasn't been ginned or it was destroyed. And so there's a lot of money just waiting to see where it's going to go and how it's going to get there. Uh, which has kind of affected the mood a little bit here on the coast as far as the, the farming side. Now, I know that didn't answer your question about, you know, where are we at with planting, but that's kind of on the back of everybody's mind as we're going into planting season here for 2018. So how's that, how's that affect the economy then? So, I mean, we've got a lot of, a lot of acres uh, of cotton laying out there that are either in bales or, like you said, can't be baled or, or whatever the situation might be. How's that affecting yeah. cash flows and all those kind of things? Well, you just said it uh, right there. Cash flow is is the biggest challenge that a lot of these guys have got. You know, uh, it's time for new loans, and uh, and it's it's just you know, well, guys haven't been able to pay back in some situations because they're waiting on cotton money. So it has slowed down. Um, it has slowed down the, the that part of it. However cotton commodity prices and, and our ability to go, grow a cotton crop down here on the Gulf Coast of Texas has really um, gotten, uh, I guess, that that ability, that price has really got our, our growers finally enthused about something. You know, corn prices being in the tank uh, have really got guys concerned. And, and a lot of our growers who, you know, we've got the diversity to plant corn or cotton or, or, or milo down here. Oh, uh, they pretty well all go the cotton. So um, their, you know, their, their, their implants at this point are about there yet because we won't plant our cotton until all oh, mid-March into April. Um, there are some guys that are going to the field. The Timothy misses rain or not to start planting corn here next week. Uh, but our corn acres are going to be down significantly. So with, with the amount of cotton that you're looking at putting back in, and that's that's kind of the overwhelming you know, kind of response that I get from whenever I'm with, talking with anyone from the South is that more and more acres have gone back to cotton more of more of a traditional farming practice. So yeah. the, with the price, the way it is in, in cotton and, and, and then with still with some of the effects that you're still seeing from what hasn't been jid yet. I mean, you got to have a lot of guys looking that are kind of excited about the upcoming year. Well, I tell you what, um, right now uh, it will be very difficult, whether it's through shoppers or through another dealer, but in 30 days, it will be virtually impossible to find a, a uh, either a 7760 or a CP 690 cotton picker. Um, they're just there's guys that are locking in pickers right now just because of the acres that are going up. Um, and so with deer going on allocation on pickers, with a shortage or perceived shortage of used pickers, um, the the cotton market is as solid as I've as I've ever seen it um since since i've been since i've been with you and so um there's just there's a lot of enthusiasm and there's a there's a lot of opportunity to uh to move out pickers right now but uh, like i said in 30 days it would be it would be very 
very, very tough to find a good cotton candy. So how's that affect to the rest of, of your equipment? Like we're talking row crop tractors. Yep. Um, I'm sure there's a few four drives in that mix and stuff like that. How, how is that? How is that affecting that marketplace? And are you seeing an upward trend compared to where you were last year based on the cotton price? Yeah, I've definitely seen an upward trend. We are seeing, um, not, not, I'm not going to take a ton of new ADAR trackers, uh, seeing some used trackers, but the biggest, the biggest improvement, uh, with, with, besides the pickers have been sprayers. Um, you know, cotton is a, uh, a crop that needs a lot of care and a lot of time is put on a sprayer. And so we've seen, uh, our sprayer, our used sprayer market really be affected by those cotton too. Um, down here on the Gulf Coast, especially on the southwest side of Houston, now our Liberty and Beaumont stores, there's no cotton over there, but on, on our store southwest of Houston, cotton and oil are what drive these economies. And so um, the, the, the cotton acres helps not only your John Deere dealership, it helps your else, your CPS, uh, it helps our gins, it helps just from top to bottom, our module drivers, uh, it just, it, it drives these communities. So, you know, when corn got up to where it did in 11, 12, 13, uh, our cotton acres really decreased, but you can just see the, uh, the towns coming back to life, the cotton industry, when it, when it brings here to us on the Gulf Coast. So it's affected us as a dealership. It's affected our sprayer sales. It's affected our, our tractors to an extent, but just the life that it brings and breathes into, to these towns, uh, is, is good to see as well. So that's got to be a, a pretty positive factor for, for a lot of folks where you're at. I mean, coming off of, of five years of, of pretty much, you know, cotton prices fell, corn prices fell, wheat prices fell, beans, I mean, everything fell. And now you have a chance to kind of jump back into a crop where you can, you can probably get a good crop now and you're going to get a good price for it. So you got to have a lot of activity in your dealerships right now. It, it is. It is. Uh, our shops are full. Our parts counters are stacked, and, and, and our salesmen are all, are all busy on the large ag side. Um, you know, on the small ag side, we're still seeing some recovery. Uh, you know, there was a there was a big influx of tractors implements that were flooded uh, on the small ag. You know, I'm talking 125 horsepower and down. Uh, you know, there a lot of that stuff got flooded, so insurance claims being being filed, uh, equipment being totaled out. Uh, we saw we saw a little influx, a little flurry of activity with replacement stuff, but there was so much damage with the storm that our, our small ag sales really they they've been a lot slower to rebound versus our large. Looking out past the past the first quarter here, you're going to get everything planted here pretty quick, and you're you're going to be pretty much yep. done planting here in the next three four weeks or whatever. Um, about mid March, you'll be wrapping that part of it up. What do you see happening through the first of the rest of the first quarter, and what do you see kind of going out through the end of the year, or through the middle of the year? Anyway? Yeah, uh, uh, as far as the, the end of the first quarter, it's going to be a lull for us on the large ag side because um, we, we have been snake bit a little bit. You know, 2017 Harvey, 2016 we had a tropical depression sit down on us that moved a lot of cotton. So there's going to be guys kind of playing things close to their best. Uh, through the first quarter, uh, and even in second quarter on the, uh, on the large ag side. The cold weather you mentioned earlier in, in your monologue, Casey, uh, it's really slowed our hay production down. But we're thinking here in the next 30 days, uh, our temperatures will be in the, in the upper 60s to 70s. Grass will start growing, hay will start growing, and, 
and we really look uh, really look for a good mid year for our for our small ag and our hay production. A lot of hay was fed this winter, and also because of Harvey, uh, and so there's going to be a big big push for uh, for for hay for our cattle uh, cattle crop down here. So that was going to bring me to my next point. So with your proximity to to the drought stricken West Texas. You know, those guys planted all, you know, I think the USDA crop report that came out in January said there's 1.3 more million acres of wheat planted uh, than the previous year, which obviously was to be grazed upon. Um, now these guys haven't, they didn't come up because of the drought situation in or army worms or whatever the situation might have been. There's got to be a pretty good demand for hay in your area. Big, big demand. And, you know, one thing we get here on the Gulf Coast is rain. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't want to jinx this, but, uh, we should be able to produce hay and, and we'll be shipping a lot of that out of the area. But like I said, even here locally, though, there's such a demand that, you know, we started feeding early and, and it's, it's going to be a late winter for us too. And so we're going to feed for a while down here. So how, how is with the drought the way it is in West Texas? How has that affected the hay market overall in Texas? And, and from where you're at up that way, are you seeing a lot of guys coming in wanting to buy? new balers, used balers, windrows, those kind of things, or is there still kind of, we're going to use what we got and see what happens? We're still at the, you know, we're going to kind of use what we've got. What we'll see, uh, if it if it remains dry, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, we've got two of our, our outlying stores, Shiner and Giddings, which are hay stores. It's dry there, and they're only 60 miles from here on, uh, from El Campo, where I'm at. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of hay being bought, but there was a lot of hay to be consumed. So mm-hmm. we're not seeing a huge amount of equipment sales because of uh, the lack of hay. Uh, I think we'll start seeing that in the April, May time frame. With all the equipment that you have that you guys push through, what are a couple of the struggles that you see kind of set, that you kind of see setting in place right now, some trends that might be developing that, that you're going to be watching and you're a little bit concerned of? I, I still am a little leery of, of row crop tractors. Um, they just, uh, the price of, of row crop tractors new, uh, and the, the gap that it's going to take between the, the new and used, it really makes it tough for guys to trade and it makes it kind of slippery slope for, for dealers to not put too much in that used tractor, uh, because of what the market will bear. And so, um, as I look out there, uh, used row crop tractors are a concern of mine. We're not big in the four wheel drive business down here. And then, um, and I think you, you see this firsthand, used combines to me are, are still very, very soft. That's, I, I don't see that turning around really at all. Yeah. The combine market is the one, the one area that I feel is still the weakest part of, of the link when you look at used equipment. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a one year old machine or if it's a, a seven or eight year old machine. They just you, what you have to. The trade difference is still something that's gonna. It's always an issue, and I don't care if you're trading a, a three year old one for a five year old one, or if you're trading three year old for a new one, or whatever it is that you're doing. That trade difference is is a big number, and like you said, we try to push the envelope every time that we get ready to do something, whether when we're working a trade because we want to get the deal done. But at the same time, it is a slippery slope, and if you get too far out on that limb, it will crack and you will fall. And it hurts when you hit the ground. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Um, and and you ahead. know, our, our rice rice prices um, had just 
you know, we're not players in the corn market like what you guys are up there and through the Midwest, but you know, we do, we do raise quite a bit of rice down here. And, and unfortunately our rice outlook is, is not much better than the corn outlook. And so we're just not seeing a lot of, a lot of demand for combines. Here we are first quarter of the year is kind of moving along here right through January and about almost midway through February already. How's the auction market looking down there? Have you had a few auctions down there and, and what do you see happening in the overall auction marketplace? You know, we don't get the auctions like what the Delta gets. Um, we have a lot of our, our growers go to those auctions. I try to attend those auctions and I tell you, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised with what I've seen with auction values. Planners have got, uh, you know, and we'll, and we're, keep in mind, we're three point planners, 12 row, uh, 38 inch, 40, uh, 40 inch rows because of our cotton and because we bed up down here. But, uh, uh, planner prices at auctions have been very strong. They were down, they were very weak, I would say, uh, the last two or three years. They, they've been strong. Sprayers have been strong. Um, and, and pickers have been extremely strong. You know, I, I, I think the, the rest of the ag, ag world sees kind of Casey like you and I do. Combines have been soft. Uh, I was at a very nice sale in, uh, in Northeast Arkansas the other day, uh, uh, farmer liquidating some things and, uh, combines went very, very cheap. Uh, I got a couple four wheel drives, 9470Rs out of it that I felt like I bought right. Um, but there is row crop crackers, scrapers, and planners uh, really were strong. I've been watching those auctions too, and I, I got a blog post I'm going to release in a little bit, but it, it kind of revolves around the estate auction sales. And, and the, it seems like if there's an estate auction, they're getting more for equipment. And you, you jump in here and you tell me what you think, but it seems like they're getting more for their equipment at those estate sales yeah. than we could ever get on the lot. What do you think? Is that, you seen something similar? I, I, I I, he took the words. I was telling one of my salesmen that was with me uh, that very that very thing. I said we never get what this what this is bringing here, and I, I don't know if it's because of the reputation of the individual that's selling, or or what the mindset is. But you know, I echo I echo your sentiments exactly. I I'm just a little bit taken back at some of the values that are that are being being brought at these estate sales. Now, when I, when I'm not seeing the same values though, whether it's here on our yard or if it's uh, like at Southwest Auction, where they've got an excellent new place, it's got to be. Seems to me, from what I'm seeing, and, and tell me what your thoughts are, but it seems to me it's when it's on the on the grower's uh, place, or, or they know the grower there locally. But when when you're going to an auction yard, they don't seem to be bringing the same kind of money. Yeah, that could sign itself thing. Even if it is like they completely represented as John Q Farms out there, and this is all his stuff, and this is where this consignment stuff came from on our lot. It does not sell the same if it is at his place, nope. and it's just it's a, one of those phenomenons that I can't I can't explain. Um, you think it wouldn't matter, but it it makes a big difference. Well, it does. I mean, I said I went to buy because uh, I thought there was going to be some bargains to be had, and I'm going to tell you things went. And I'm not talking just a little bit. It wasn't a well four thousand dollars I would have bought it. Uh, and I'm talking about twenty twenty five thousand dollars. I was out of the out of the game on. And a lot of this could be because it, it bleeds at leads, but I read a lot of articles about banks tightening down and, and not giving the the operating notes that they gave last year or cutting them in half or, or whatever it is that they're doing. But the auction market sure doesn't represent that. 
there's guys out there spending a lot of money on, on equipment that I, I myself wouldn't even ask for. It. So I, I just find that shocking. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. Well, Brad, I think that's going to do it. Uh, I think we covered everything here. So do you have any last words you want to throw out there before we close it down? No, I just want to thank uh, all the the John Deere dealers that sent, you know, their mail misses and who helped uh, some of our employees that lost their homes, people that sent clothes. I mean, uh, and just from, from all the relationships that we've made through the years and all the help that everybody gave, I just, I'd like to say thank you again for, for their support during Harvey. And, and uh, uh, we're back on our feet down, down here again. I just want to thank everybody for everything they did. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Brad. All right, Casey, thanks so much. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Brad for being a guest on this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Moving Iron LLC has a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of the Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, there'll be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And if you shop Amazon, please use the Amazon click-through at movingironllc.com. It won't cost you anything, and you'll still have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast. You can find this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour.